As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Today on the show, I'm talking with Natalie Nagel, the co-founder of Wildbit. Wildbit makes awesome products like Postmark, Beanstalk, and Deploybot. Today, we're going to talk about productivity. It's something that's really close to Natalie's heart, and it's a big part of the culture over at Wildbit. And so we're going to learn about what they do as a team and as individuals to bring some best practices into their daily lives. Welcome to Rocketship.fm podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. For those who aren't familiar with Wildbit and all the things you do, uh, give us a little background. Sure. So Wildbit will turn 15, uh, 16 this year in November. So we've been around for, for a little bit. 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, and it was it's run by myself and my husband, Chris. Um, we started off the company doing consulting work a long time ago and then built our own products. And now we're, you know, only have our own products. We have three of them right now. Uh, we have Beanstalk, which is Git hosting uh, with deployments. It's, you know, product management for development teams. We have Postmark, uh, which is a transactional email service. Uh, we're the only ones that focus strictly on transactional emails. So we're really uh, deliver emails extremely quickly and, you know, always to the inbox. That's really our focus. And then we have DeployBot, which is a tool for if you're using GitHub or Bitbucket or another version control system to deploy your source code to wherever you're going. So you can build your code or you can just simply deploy your changes over. So that's kind of us. We're 28 people and we're headquartered in Philadelphia, but over half of our team is remote. And so we were chatting a little bit before the show. You guys are ultra focused on culture and a big part of that is obviously productivity and making sure everybody's kind of harmoniously working together. And and that's really important when you're balancing these different products. Um, Tell me a little bit about your philosophy around, you know, what a 40 hour work week really means. Sure. So we have a rule at one of our kind of main values and our rules in our company is we only work 40 hours a week. So that means that, you know, Chris and I only work 40 hours and all those 40 hours have to be really focused on the work at hand. And that's the only way that kind of works. And so what we try, what we, we've been trying to do is making sure that everybody is given those 40 hours as their own personal productivity time and to look at how we work together as a way of borrowing each other's time. So instead of taking for granted, working together and asking somebody a question and collaborating, we really try to focus and say like, anytime I bother somebody, I'm taking time away from them. So how do I really minimize that or be really thoughtful about the way in which we work together and collaborate as a team? And you guys have done some, um, kind of, I think, did you mention you did a retreat where you really focused on this kind of thing? Yes. So one of the, we, oh, go ahead. Just to, to ask a little more specific question about that. How do you kind of educate people on this way of thinking and reinforce like everybody kind of following the same guidelines when you've got about 30 people? Yeah. So I think we, so we do these annual retreats where we all get together and the theme of this last one in April really felt like focused almost solely solely on productivity and how we collaborate together. And the background of that was really, we were all feeling very overwhelmed with the amount of information we were getting from each other, um, the amount of knowledge sharing and kind of distractions that were happening throughout the day. And, you know, as I'm watching the team grow and I'm seeing how they're struggling with it, it felt really important to spend time almost like we almost coached each other through it throughout the retreat. So we had multiple different discussions around tooling, which, you know, is a hot topic right now. Like what do you do with Slack and what do you do with your, your posts and and all that kind of stuff. But just as much tooling, we talked about personal discipline and how do we help each other and how do we look at our own time and how do we look at each other's time and resources and that kind of thing. So we just spent a lot of time, um, thinking about ourselves and kind of sharing as a team around the table, like, how does this feel? You know, when we 
when, when somebody posts something and it's very vague, you know, that distracts me, you know, or, or do we want to limit the amount of posts or the amount of, you know, the amount of time we spend in group chat, things like that. So we really just spend a lot of time talking. And so do you guys use Slack or something similar or what's your kind of main channel for these conversations? Yeah. So we use a handful of tools and it's actually ballooned a little bit. So it feels a lot, a little bit like too much, but we use Slack as our group chat. Um, we use some base camp, a tool called honey for kind of, uh, just posting and, you know, group kind of internet stuff. Um, and then we, you know, for product management, for the projects, I guess, for project management, we use Jira and some Confluence and things like that. So, and we use email, we use lots of email. So, um, it kind of runs the gamut and Slack is definitely the most distracting one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's been this conversation going around, well, for a long time, people ask, is email dead? And then Slack kind of amplified that, but now I think there's kind of, um, people are reverting back towards email to get away from this sense of like urgency that every comment or question needs to be answered now. Um, so I'm curious how, how do you use email in kind of an effective way? Because that too can get out of control. Yeah. So the way we look at it is, you know, throughout the, like whatever somebody wakes up in the morning, like they kind of sit down and they come up with what their time, what their day should look like. And they should be in control of their focus work time. And they should be in control of their kind of easy work time, you know, things like checking email or posting a question or things like that. And so we use email as a way to effectively ask usually for one or two people a question that's not urgent, that allows them to respond to it when they're out of focus work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, something that we've been trying to do internally is start emails to each other with brackets that just say like when we need to, you know, if it's urgent or next week or whenever you have a chance, basically just start it with a bracket in the subject line so that the person can easily kind of triage it and know if it's even something they have to open right now. That's awesome. Yeah, we try to do some of that when we get into posts. So when we, we use Honey, but you, you know you can use it interchangeably at Basecamp or whatever, we, we notice that posts go up and they kind of die there because what happens a lot of times is when you, you're trying to solicit feedback from a team and you put it up there and you say like, hey, I'm working on this and you know I would love some feedback. What do you guys think? And then People read it at random times. People don't know specifically what to get feedback on. There's no end date or like, I'd like to get this resolved by, you know, tomorrow and post, you know, ideas just go there to die. So what we started doing now is be much more explicit in those posts. Like, Hey, I'm looking for feedback specifically from Natalie and Chris. Here's the three points that I'm really looking to kind of address. And I'd really need to know this by, you know, the day after tomorrow, just to make sure that I can move forward. So it's kind of like the same thing, but really just in our own behavior, being explicit on like, what do I need from you? Just like you would if you were standing in front of somebody, right? right. You would be, be much more explicit in how you, uh, how you want that feedback and what kind of feedback you want. And so in theory, this process sounds really smooth. Are there like hiccups or roadblocks that you guys hit or something that kind of comes up that you have to work through? Totally. I think one of the most important parts of allowing each other to really have time for focus work is 
continuing to be kind of self-disciplined in it. So one of the big things, one of our big changes out of the retreat was how we handle Slack. I don't think Slack is inherently a bad thing. It's, you know, personal behavior that kind of turns it into this bad thing. Um, and so we made it a, a rule that, you know, if you're working on focused work, like things that require your truly you know, important attention, which is what we mostly, you know, that's what we're experts in, right? Um, you're off of, you're, you're signed off, you know, you're, you're DND, whatever you need to do, but you're off of it. And then the idea is if you're on Slack, if, if you're visible, if you're, uh, we can see you, then you're probably doing some kind of like busy work or, or other work, not focused work. And therefore you can be bothered. When we got back from the retreat, everybody was really in tune with that. And, you know, most of the day there was nobody online. Now I'm starting to see everybody get back into the habit of constantly being online, constantly being disturbed. So I think the biggest thing for me right now is going through that cycle every month or two and just having like a refresher conversation. Like, here's what we really want to get done. Here's how we really want to focus as a team. We, guys, we got to get back into like, let's close Slack, close Twitter, close distractions, get back to being really focused. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. And so that kind of leads into the balance of taking steps to avoid burnout and yet doing all the many things you guys need to do with three products going. How do you how do you kind of reconcile the demands of a, a business like yours? You guys are mainly bootstrapped. You're profitable. Um, you know, trying to grow at a pace that's probably different than your typical San Francisco VC funded. You know, pedal yeah. to the metal. Um, but yet you still have to compete in that same marketplace. How do you how do you kind of make that balance with everything? I think well, one we have an incredibly great team, and you know we're all in the same place where we want to grow at a responsible, sustainable rate. So that's like number one critical for us. And because we're profitable and because we're private and bootstrapped, we're able to kind of dictate how that works, you know? So there was a point in DeployBot where we were getting a tremendous amount of free signups and we were not able to keep track of them. And just, it was just too, too much. And my choice was either hire a bunch of people and try to scale that or we turned off free signups, you know? So those are like choices that we get to make as a team because we're profitable and because we have the, you know, we're, we're lucky that we have that runway ahead of us where it's not really, it's in our control. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of avoiding burnout, I think the, the 40 hour work week is extremely important. Um, and I think personal pro- for me personally and for Chris and some of the team is personal productivity kind of, uh, work that we do on ourselves all the time. A lot of us are big, you know, getting things done fans. A lot of us use OmniFocus. Um, we, we try really hard to stay calm. Uh, you know, we don't believe in fires. We don't believe in, um, you know, kind of acting out of stress and things like that. So we try really very much to 
have everything organized, have everything in a singular place so we can say like, we know what's coming down the pipe, you know, because I think the hardest part in our jobs is there's no end, right? You never finish anything. And so being able to kind of clearly see like, here's the next step, here's the next step has really helped. Not that we don't have stresses, but that's, that's the plan or that's, that's what we strive for. So do you set hard deadlines for anything or is it just kind of like taking things step by step and, and what you're able to get done in that week is what gets done? We don't set hard deadlines. We have started working, uh, with OKRs a little bit. Um, we are experimenting a little bit more. We just hired our first product manager. Our Rian is on our team on Postmark and that's been really awesome. Uh, and with that, we've kind of gotten into these Monday meetings where we, we've set a quarterly objective and some key results that we really as a team believe in. And then every Monday we evaluate our progress towards them. Um, and what that's allowed us to do is just to reiterate every Monday, like, what are we trying to accomplish so that when, you know, things inevitably start going to the side and all of a sudden you wake up and you're working on something completely different, you have at least some kind of anchor to bring you back every Monday to say like, yeah, but we were supposed to work on this. You know, here's what we think is the most important thing this quarter. That's about as, as, as uh, deadlined or focused as we get. Um, other than that, I mean, we, we do retrospectives and we evaluate when we miss goals or, you know, release dates and things like that. But we try to be, I mean, we've been building software for a long time. So to me, a deadline means we're working under the table and that's mm -hmm. not worth releasing a feature, you know, today. Well, and it seems to me that it really, the approach you guys are taking, uh, it just comes down to redefining what success looks like and, and redefining that, you know, maybe every quarter. Totally. Yeah. I, I think that's what, so when we talk as a team, you know, like I, to me, success is the fact that we all get to work together at a really sustainable, easy pace. We have customers who love us and we all get to go home and hang out with our kids or our hobbies or whatever that is. That is success to me. So like the, there's growth metrics are not necessarily the success. Those are the, that's what allows us to be successful in our person, in our ability to run this company and to have this company to work for. So we always look at it like, what do we have to do to continue to enable us to have this great opportunity to work in a place we love on products we love with customers we love at a pace that just makes sense. You know, we've all gotten a little bit older too, you know, so I think like you start having kids, you start realizing that those things are so much more important than anything else. And, you know, what do we have to do as a team, as 28 people to enable us to still be around for another 10 years to keep doing it, you know, and that's kind of what success is to us. Totally. Do you guys do anything physically in your office? I know part of your team is remote and part of your team is there. Um, and I'm curious if your actual physical space is set up in a way to promote or hinder certain kinds of interactions or distractions. Yeah, we, uh, huge, uh, opponents, I guess, or let's rephrase, we believe very strongly in closed office work environments. Um, so when we moved into our new office, we've been here for about a year. We actually, when we, we spent a year looking because we needed something large enough so that every person on the team had their own office. So everybody has a door, everybody has walls, um, everybody has a standing desk or, you know, that goes up and down. And that was extremely important to us to have that opportunity to have your quiet focused time when you're in your, in your physical space. So the, the, 
remote team members are lucky because they have, you know, they work at home. So they get to do, you know, they get that quiet focused opportunity. But when you're in an office, it's really hard when you're sitting next to each other. So we, everybody has closed private offices. Um, when I hire remote, I don't really hire anybody who doesn't have a dedicated workspace. So you can't really work for me out of your, off your kitchen table. Um, again, because I just, I, I believe really strongly in like time, focus time without distraction so that you can get your work done in those 40 hours and, you know, go home. How have you seen the culture of your team change when you implement some of these productivity things? Because a lot of times people just hear that word and kind of shut down because it's like, okay, productivity, you know, coming down from, from the top. But really what it is is enabling people to feel accomplished um, and be able to check those things off their list and feel like they've finished their day strong instead of that constant feeling of treading water. Um, have you seen a change in kind of the, the culture and the personalities and, and the general feeling of the team by doing the, these things? I think towards the beginning, especially, uh, there was, everybody was really excited about it. And a lot of it came from feedback maybe not specifically, I want to be more productive, but in ways like I'm feeling really overwhelmed with too many, you know, posts and, and, you know, I'm feeling too, too overwhelmed that I'm going to miss something in Slack. So a lot of that stress came from the team themselves. So when we started identifying ways to resolve it, I think people got really excited. One of the biggest, uh, challenges, I guess, and, and reasons why it's still a little bit hard is because we're half remote a lot of that water cooler kind of keeping in touch was happening in when everybody was online. And so now that we're trying to say like, Hey guys, let's, you know, focus more on ourselves instead of as a group. And so we we have so much time individually to work. There's been this kind of like, well, then when, when are we going to see each other? You know, when are we going to post random links to weird things in, in Slack? And so that's been, I think that's probably my next challenge is to figure out how to still remain extremely productive on a remote team but have good dedicated time when we're all together and, you know, just hanging out, shooting the shit and, you know, like not worrying about like work. Right. And so I, so that's been the biggest culture thing is the team's kind of like, okay, this is working, but I haven't seen so-and-so in like three weeks, you know? So I think that's been like a little bit of a, you know, I miss them. I want to hang out, but at the same time I want to get work done. So what do I do? And that's been really the, the biggest challenge. Yeah. It, it, like everything else, it's always balance. And if you're focused a hundred percent on being ultra productive, you're going to miss a lot of things and, and vice versa. If you're just there to hang out, then nothing gets done. So, um, it's one of those things that you can never really stop working at. Right. Totally. It's, no, it's, cause it changes. The dynamic changes as the team changes. So mm-hmm. what would have worked for us two years ago would never work for us now. You know, like the demands of the products are different and, our personalities are different and, you know, we all kind of grow and change and it, it, yeah, it's always, it's, it's always evolving. Well, and, and the tools change too, you know, Slack wasn't here. I guess there's been like chat rooms, but not like, yeah. not the way Slack's kind of taken over the, the computer screens of every startup. Um, and there'll be something else down the road that, that changes it just as much. And so, um, yeah, it, I did a, I did a, like I brought up, so Slack's been like a big thing and I did a talk about the kind of something similar to this. And one of the things that I think is so important is to separate the tooling from the personal discipline of it. Because to your point, like Slack has become, 
and a lot with their own marketing is like supposed to replace all these things. But, you know, if you're not still disciplined internally, it doesn't matter if you use hip chat or campfire or whatever, you know, like you're still going to have that constant feeling of I need to be on, I need to be on, or I'm being distracted. I'm, you know, like that's not going to change regardless of tooling. Like you have to start with a personal discipline and your own kind of understanding of like every time I ping somebody, it's like me tapping them on their shoulder if they were physically in front of me. Mm-hmm. Would you want to do that 30 times a day? Probably not. You know, so like understanding that, I think, regardless of tooling, and then you take the tools and you try to fit them to work, your, you know, to work your workflow. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, this has been this has been a great conversation. I love geeking out on this stuff um, <laughs> for people who want to learn more, or maybe even follow along. Do you post about any of this on your blog? Can people follow along with what you're doing and kind of learn from your leadership? Yeah, totally. So we post on the wild Bit blog, a lot of the business stuff. So the things like this, we would post on the wild Bit blog, not the product blog. So, you know, just wildbit.com slash blog. Um, and yeah, I talk about the stuff all the time. I love talking about it. I, you know, reading books about it. It's, it, I find, I think that's like my most important job is to protect my team and keep them as focused as possible because they want to do their best work. So if that's my job, you know, this becomes a topic all the time for me. Do you have any resources that are kind of your go-to that you'd be willing to share with us? Yeah. Um, or books or, or something that you're, you're into at the moment? Yeah. So, I mean, for personal productivity, like I said, I'm, huge, you know, David Allen getting things done. I mean, that's just, you know, that's the best. And I use OmniFocus for that. And, um, that's, you know, been a big part of my personal productivity. I, 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 I like I've done classes on it and stuff. I just, I love it. And I think like everybody, I think it should be required reading for everybody on your team because I think it's, you know, changes kind of dramatically your outlook on, um, how you're in control of your kind of stress levels and things like that. Um, the most recent book that I read for my, for team productivity, which I'm, which kind of led to the conversation that I had on the retreat was a book by Cal Newport called deep work. Um, and that was a really great, uh, just again, an understanding of an old, idea, you know, focus work, like getting in that flow is really important and how to really understand what effects the, your external kind of stimuli have on your ability to do deep work, and focused work and all of that. So deep work's a great book, um, kind of really nice to read. And, and that really triggered a lot of the stuff that happened on the retreat. That's great. Natalie, thank you so much. This was, this was awesome. Absolutely. Anytime. A huge thanks to Natalie and Wildbit for coming on. If you want to check out some of the products that Wildbit is making, go to wildbit.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Bench. Bench is the easiest way to get your bookkeeping done. Go to bench.co forward slash rocket ship and get 20% off your first six months of bookkeeping. And by Todoist, Todoist makes managing your tasks simple and easy. So go to todoist.com forward slash redeem and use the code rocketship to get five premium accounts for your team free for an entire year. So if you're enjoying this series, 
go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a quick review. Five stars will do. That's just fine. It helps us spread the show, spread the word. If you'd like to see old episodes, go to rocketship.fm or just search them in the app that you're listening to this podcast. They're all there in our feed. We have over 250 previous episodes, including uh, the first two episodes from our productivity series. So I know you'll enjoy them. The episodes complement the interviews and the interviews complement the episodes. It's all very symbiotic. Follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM. You can follow me at Michael Saka, Joel at Joel Goldman, and Mike Belsito at Belsito. We'll see you here in just a couple days.